right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. 1 Kings 17, that's Old Testament. 1 Kings 17, that's where we're going to be at today. Um, we're starting a brand new series today called A Simple Choice. And what I haven't told any of the other um, services is um, this whole entire series, by the time we get to the end of it, you're going to look at it and say, ah, it's not really that simple. Because throughout this series, we're going to talk about what we need to do in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not always easy. Um, let me set today up like this. I was talking to some people a few weeks ago um, about the snow and the ice and the rain and the cold and about how bad it sucks. Who's with me on that? Who with me on like it's bad? Like I, here, here's a little side note. I need summer to be here like now because I need some beach somewhere. Anybody else? I love the ocean and the lake, not Swan Lake, but the lake, the big lake. With the boat and all of that. And so we were talking about all of this. And they started talking about how much they love the snow and ice. And we're not friends anymore. And so, but they, how many of you, like, legit, you just love the snow and ice? Billy, don't raise your hand. You, you love it. Like, it's your thing. Like, I love the snow. I love the ice. It's so wonderful. It's awesome. I don't love it. I just, I don't. And I guess if you love it, um, cool, you're weird. Um, but this other person chimed in and said something I'd never, like, heard or thought of before. They said, I wish there were droughts in the wintertime, like in the summertime, that we wouldn't have snow and the rain. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, right? Like, I mean, no snow, no rain, like drought, but we don't get those. Now, we know that droughts aren't a good thing, like no rain, no crops, and a community like ours, like we, we understand we need that. Um, but later that day, I sat around and I started thinking about droughts. We all know what a summertime drought is, and at times we enjoy the drought in the summertime. Like if we got kids games, we're like, man, no rain or anything. If the kids aren't playing, then it can rain. It could do whatever. Um, but, but I started really, really, really thinking about sometimes droughts happen spiritually as well. And there are people in our church, and maybe some of you in this room currently, that's how you would describe yourself. You would say that you're in a spiritual drought, or, or maybe you just got out of one. Maybe, maybe there's one coming. Maybe you can, you can see it on the horizon. One of the things I know that happens in a spiritual drought, if you're not careful, and, and listen, I'm as guilty as this as anybody in this room, but in a drought, we can lose hope. We can lose joy. We can lose peace. We can lose love. And, and, and we think, we think spiritual droughts are the end of us. We think we're gonna, we're gonna die. We think that they're terrible, that they're bad, but the drought, just because it's a drought, let's not be, be deceived that God's not moving in our spiritual drought. I want to show you this in, this in this Bible passage today. I want to show you that God does some of his best work in the drought. God does some of his most amazing work in the drought. And God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine in the drought. Now, some of you are like, oh, I don't know. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that God can do amazing things in the drought if you're open to it. Now, this is where you're going to go back, well, of course I'm open to it. Well, maybe. We'll see. Because it's difficult. It's hard to walk in the drought. It's hard to step into what God is calling us into. So maybe, maybe you'll do it. Anyway, this series is called A Simple Choice. It's based on 1 Kings chapter 18, really verse 17, where Elijah, he's a prophet in the Old Testament, and he, he's, he's going to have this battle, and he goes and he asks these people to make a choice between the, the false god that they're worshiping 
and the one true God. And, and I, I want to set this up, and I want to show you this before we even get to there. That's probably not going to be next week. It's probably a week after that that we actually get to that verse. Um, but I want to show you how God moves in the drought. And, and so when something crazy happens, when something exciting happens, we, we know that God took us from where we are to where he wants us to be. All right? So First Kings 17, we're going through every verse in this chapter. So listen really fast. Here we go. Verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve. This is a jab at him, right? This is like, God I serve. Me, my God. The God I serve. There will be no dew or rain during the next few years. That's really three years. Next few years until I give word. Now let me kind of set up what's going on here in this text as we get into the story. Israel, at the time, had completely turned their back on God. Israel. God's promised people, the, the people who had seen God do amazing things in their lives, the people who had watched God continually provide for them over and over and over again. God, who brought them out of Egypt into the promised land, who time and time and time again showed himself to them that he's the one true God. Those people turned their back on God, and instead of worshiping God, they chose to worship a God called Baal. Now, Baal is the God of rain. Anytime you see Baal depicted in literature, ancient literature, he's holding a, a lightning bolt. So he's the God of rain. And so God is going to pick a fight on purpose here. God is going to pick a fight with the God of rain. Israel completely turned their back on God, and they're worshiping Baal. So Elijah goes up to king. His name is Ahab. He goes up. He says, Ahab, listen, I serve God. You don't serve him. I serve him. And what's going to happen is it's not going to rain for three years unless I say so. Now, do you think Ahab took him seriously, yes or no? No. Like, I wouldn't take somebody seriously. Like, if you came up to me and said, hey, man, it ain't going to rain for three years unless I say so. All right, crackhead. Like, whatever. But Israel was an agricultural economy. And so if it doesn't rain... Crops don't grow. If the crops don't grow, you can't produce food. If you can't produce food, you can't eat. You can't trade. You can't provide for your family. In other words, God is telling Ahab, hey, if you don't stop, if you don't get the people to turn back to me, if you don't stop worshiping Baal, I am going to crash your economy. How many of you know when the economy crashes, God has your attention? How many of you know that? But nobody took him serious. Nobody. So Elijah is telling Ahab, hey, drought is coming. All right, now, here's the deal, this next part. If you've been coming to Central for any amount of time, if you've been exposed to my teaching, if you've heard me preach for a while, you know I tend to repeat myself. I used to say, I don't really have any cheesy pastor lines. And then people started pointing out my cheesy pastor lines and my cheesy pastors. In fact, we did a whole entire series um, on, on what those were anyway. And so I do, I repeat myself. Now, I do it for a few reasons. Number one, I need to remember stuff myself, all right? Most of the time when I'm preaching, most all the time, I'm preaching to myself. Like I'm studying this stuff. This is stuff God's speaking to me. God's tearing me up. And this is like my therapy session. I just come and I just vomit it all out to you. And if you take some bits and pieces of it, great. But this is what God like really working in me. And I need to be reminded. Number two, repetition makes us remember things, right? Right? I I learned this as a kid from commercials. For example... When I was a kid, you actually had to watch through commercials to finish your show. How many of you remember that? 
Yeah, you didn't get to just skip through. And commercials had jingles and slogans and all this stuff so that you could remember them. There are commercials from the 70s, times when dinosaurs walked the earth. If you're my age or older, you, you, you remember this. There are commercials I still remember. Maybe some of you remember these too. Like there was a commercial where there were two moms standing in front of the peanut butter section of the grocery store, and the tagline was, Choosing Mothers Choose. Yeah, you remember that, right? Choosing Mothers Choose Jif. And then other companies started to come out, like Peter Pan Peanut Butter. Remember that? Peter Pan Peanut Butter. Peter Pan. Remember that song? Peter Pan. I didn't ever have Peter Pan because I had a choosy mom. I had Jif. And then, here's another. I, I thought everybody would know this next one, but like the majority of people in all the services have not known this one. Coca-Cola had a slogan that said, have a Coke and a smile. How many of you know that? How many of you like had no idea? You've never heard that before. You only know Coca-Cola and the Panda Bear. How many of you like that's, I don't know. I started thinking like maybe that was like an Indiana thing or something. Anyway, we hear repetition and we remember. And so all of that to say this, what I'm about to say, I know I'm repeating myself when I say this. I know you've heard me preach this a gazillion times. You're probably sick and tired of hearing me say it, but I'm going to ask it again today because it's always reminded or it's always good to be reminded of certain things. What I want to ask everybody is this. What's your next step? Because everybody has a next step. Everybody has one. What's my next step? What, what is it? What's your next step? Now, if you're sitting here and you're saying, Sally needs to hear this message, you missed it. Like, this isn't for Sally. This is for you. Your next step. What is your next step? Everybody has one. Because even in the drought, like, listen, God's word is not dry. God is going to speak to us even when we feel like we're in a spiritual drought. Watch what happens here. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook. Now that's awesome. Because think about this. If it's not going to rain for three years, then the most valued commodity in the entire world is going to be what? Water. He needs water. Elijah is going to be desperate for water. And so God says, hey, I know there's going to be a water shortage. Here's the deal. You need to go. You need to take a step. And then he gets specific. I I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. When God speaks to us next steps, he will get specific. Maybe not right away, but he'll point out the path for us. He was specific to Elijah. He didn't say, hey, let go and let me. I don't, God doesn't even know what that means. Stop saying, let go and let God. Anyway, another message another time. He didn't say, hey, Elijah, just stand in the middle of the desert and pray. No, he said, I'll provide water, but you've got to get to the place I tell you to go. And then notice how specific he gets. He says, go east. And Elijah's like, go east? Yes, go east. What do you want me to do, God? I want you to hide. You want me to hide? Yes. Why? Because they're going to come after you. Oh, okay, God, good idea. I should hide. Where do you want me to hide? By the Kareth Brook. Okay, that's a pretty big brook. Specifically, where do you want me to hide near the brook? I want you to hide near where it meets the Jordan River. Got it. What do you want me to do when I get there? I want you to drink from the brook. Okay. See how specific that is? You know God speaks that specifically to us today? Listen to me. 
It's not that just God is not speaking, because lots of times people say, God's not speaking, God's not speaking. It's many times we're not open to receiving what he has to say, or we don't like what he says. We don't like what he's telling us to do, and we want our plans and not God's plans. Listen to me. God wants us to know his will more than we want to know it so many times. Do you want to hear God? Are you going to listen to God. Listen, connecting with God is so important. Connecting with God on a consistent daily basis is so important to us as followers of Jesus Christ because he has certain places he wants to lead us to. And he's going to lead us to a place and provide something for us that maybe not everybody else is going to get. Isn't that cool? That's what's happening here in this story. Watch this, verse four. This gets absolutely crazy. Drink from the brook. And eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. Here's what's crazy. The ravens were considered to be an unclean bird. Unclean. Unclean bird. Let's all say that word together on three. One, two, three. Unclean. How many of you said bird? Unclean. I heard somebody say bird. (laughs) That's all right, man. Probably go sit in the back next time. I don't. I, just, I, don't, I probably would have said bird too. I don't know. That was that was funny. Unclean, unclean. That word is very important. It's important we remember that word. Um, we're going to see that this theme of unclean come up at least three more times in this story. Unclean. And so God is going to send what kind of bird to feed Elijah? Unclean bird. Unclean. Now, if I'm Elijah, this is where I began to get a little sassy with God, you know, because ravens are nasty. I'm like, all right, God, cool. You know, the brook thing, like, that's awesome. But a raven? Come on, God, can you sound like an eagle? That'd be cool, right? Eagles are beautiful. Eagles swooping down, picking up a fish out of the water. That'd be cool. Or how about a parrot, God? How about you said a parrot sitting on my shoulder? I could talk to it. A a raven? God, you're going to send me a nasty, jacked up, unclean raven? But don't miss this. God will often use some things that people call unclean to sustain us in our drought. God will often use things that people will tell you are unclean to sustain you in the drought. I remember talking to a guy a while back. He said, Pastor Ryan, remember when you sang Hell's Bells? First of all, I did not sing that song. I didn't. Like, it was my idea, but we didn't sing it. We played that song. We did the instrumental. We did not sing it. Second of all, how can I forget? How? It was 11 years ago. 11! And I'm still catching hell for hell's bells. Yes, I remember it! But he said this. He said, hey, I want to thank you for doing that song because I got saved in that service. I was like, man, that was an Easter service, man. What, what was the, what, which message was that? He goes, I don't know. I just remember that song. It was awesome. See, people will tell me, and I hear this a lot, I'm not coming to Central if you play songs that aren't Christians. Newsflash! Jesus did not die to save songs. Amen? He, he did, there's not a soul in a song. There's just not. Jesus did not die to save your song. Don't come to me with lyrics and talk to me about the Christian artist who's smoking pot and meth and... and ah! Stop. It's not about song. What I'm saying is be careful what you call 
unclean. Seriously, be careful because God could use that to sustain you or somebody else in the drought. Because this is good. In fact, this is what the Bible says, verse, verse 5. So Elijah, oh my gosh, how, how great would life be if we just did this? Elijah did as the Lord told him. Just took his next step. See, if Elijah would have stood there and said, God, we'll stand here until you provide. I'm going to trust you, but I'm just going to stay right here. Go there. Nope. I'm not going to move. I'm going to trust you. Just going to stay right here. If he would have done that, he would have died. But he trusted God, took his next step, did as the Lord told him, and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. This is awesome. Can we all agree that when everybody else is dying, and you've got birds bringing you food and a brook, is that not a great day, yes or no? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. It's great. And we're going to be praising God until it runs out. Until it runs out. We all know what it's like to run out of something, right? Remember a few years ago, we ran out of toilet paper? Who'd ever thought you run out of toilet paper? Remember that? Man, back in 1999, the Y2K thing, there was this like scam that we were going to run out of toilet paper. And that didn't happen. And so we were like, ain't no way we're going to run out of toilet paper. Then we did! Going to Hy-Vee and ain't no toilet paper. People hoarding toilet paper. You remember going to, to Walmart and there'd be like a pallet of a pallet of toilet paper with like seven Walmart employees surrounding it, handing out. And you can't even get your own brand. You're like, I want the one at the bottom. Like you can't even have that many people working the cash registers at Walmart. Shouldn't say that. Somebody work at Walmart come to church here. <laughs> work to register then, please. Anyway, sorry. We don't like to run out of things. We do not. None of us like to run out. Can you imagine Elijah? Because I'll show you this in this verse. He, he runs out. Like, he went where God told him to go. He was doing what God told him to do. He gets up one morning, and he's like, oh, God, I'm so thankful for you. You're so awesome. You're so great. Your love and your mercy endures forever. Here comes the ravens and my food. And, and he's eating. He walks over the brook. He's like, hey, God, um, I'm starting to notice that there's, like, not as much water here today as there was yesterday. Like, I, I don't know, God, if you know this, but your boy needs to drink. And so, God, if you could just fill this up again, that, that would be great. And he gets up the next day, and he's like, God, you're great, and you're awesome. And here come the ravens, and he gets his food, and he gets his bread, and he walks over, and there's not as much water in the brook. And the next day, and the next day, and there's not as much, and there's not as much, and there's not as much, until eventually he runs out. Verse 7, but after a while, the brook dried up, for there's no rainfall anywhere in the land. Ran out. He ran out. And this is for the person here today. You feel like you've ran out. You've ran out of energy. You've ran out of hope. You've ran out of joy. You've ran out of peace. You've ran out of love. And, and, and you're thinking, how in the world did this happen to me? How did I get here? Like, I thought I got here because I'm listening to God. And all of a sudden, I've ran out. But do you know sometimes God will allow us to run out so we can understand he is our source, not the brook? Sometimes God will let us run out so we understand he is our source. See, the brook was not the source of Elijah's life. God is the source of his life. God made the brook possible. And so listen to me. 
If God led you to it, God will see you through it. He'll lead you step by step through what he's calling you to do. Because watch what happens. Verse 5. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath. Now, now I like to think that Elijah probably was like, I don't understand. Like, no water, no water, no water. Like, I don't, I don't know, God. Do you know sometimes we have to get a little bit desperate before we listen to God? How many of you know that? Sometimes you got to get a little desperate before you listen to God. It's probably a little desperate. The Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. All right. Several problems here. Problem number one, Zarephath, unclean village, unclean. It's a Gentile village. A lot of scholars believe that's where Baal worship originated. God, why don't you send me to Jerusalem? I mean, God, the temple's there. Like, my people are there. You want me to go where? Zarephath? This is unclean, God. You want me to go and you want me to hang out with those people? By the way, if you've ever said that phrase, those people, you need to understand that you're in that category for somebody else. Like, I'm thankful God wasn't afraid of those people because I'm one of those people. Amen? Just a thought. I mean, God, God deal with the unclean birds? And, and now you want me to go to Zarephath? You want me to go unclean place? Hey, real quick, I'll say this and, and I'll move on too. This is just kind of in the text and we'll hit more of this in a few weeks. Be real careful with telling God where you will and will not go. Be real careful with telling God, I'll never go there. Because there might be the place that God has to take you to get you to the place where he needs to heal you. J- just a thought. Another message another time. Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed, instructed a widow there to feed you. All right, that's problem number two. Widows during this time period were typically poor. So Elijah's probably like, hey man, um, didn't you have mean to say uh, you've instructed a rich person to take care of me? Like, God, I've been doing everything that you told me to do. Have you instructed like somebody to really take care of me? Nope, I instructed a widow. At this point, he's out of options. He either stays by the brook and doesn't move, and dies, or he goes. So he went. That's cool, right? He just took his next step. Everybody has a next step. What's your next step? What is it? Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread, too, just like a man. Ladies, did your husband say that? Hey, baby, could you give me something to drink? And while you're up, can you bring me a sandwich? Use Jif. Choosy mom. She ain't even paying attention. This is how you know the Bible's true, because it doesn't lie about the character of a man. He just said, he just said, hey, can I have a little, little water, a little bread? Not a very big ask, yes or no? No. Bring me a little water, bring me a little bread. That's all I want, a little water, a little bread. She overreacts, verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God. Not my God, your God. She, she worships Baal. That's who she's worshiping, right? So I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. That's a little bit over the top, yes or no? Unless you're a bad cook. Can we all agree that this lady has lost hope? Yeah, she's lost hope. But isn't it funny? 
how God will take somebody that's been in a situation and bring them into the life of somebody else who's been in that exact same situation. Have you ever seen that? You ever seen that? See, Elijah has just been a place where God provided, but he ran out. And so he brings Elijah into the life of a woman in Zarephath who's about to run out. See, that experience that you went through, that drought you walked through, it might not have been fun, but it wasn't wasted. Because maybe God's going to bring somebody into your life who experienced the same exact thing that you went through. And even though it was hell while you were going through it, you're going to be able to look somebody else in the eye and say, Hey, I know what you're going through. I know it sucks. I know it's hard. But I know you're going to make it because God is faithful. Because look at this. Don't miss this. He did this for a woman who didn't even know him. She didn't even know God. How amazing is his grace? This, this girl didn't even know him, and God provided. She's lost all hope. And notice Elijah's reaction. He doesn't freak out. He says, hey, don't be afraid. Go ahead and just do what you said. Just bake some bread. I mean, all that stuff, like, I understand. Girl, I get it. You, you, you've lost hope. He doesn't lecture her theologically on God supplying an abundance of our needs. He just says, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just, just do it. Just, just make, make a little bread. And then he says this. But first, this is his challenge to her. Put God first. Put God first. Now, don't miss this. Even if you're not a Christian, you have a next step. She worshiped Baal. And here, the man of God steps into her life. Hey, little bread, little water. Little bread, little water. Not a big ask, like, like for some of you. Hey, will you come to church? Not a big ask, right? But it's a step. Will you come to church? Come to Bible study? You come check out this chunk or treat thing my, my church is doing. Like, like there are so many steps that we take before we even meet Jesus for you and, and for me. And so listen, even if you're here and you're not a Christian, you have a next step. God has a next step for you. This step was, was hey, hey, and this is how I see this happening in, in my mind. That Elijah is like, hey, you've trusted Baal. How's that working for you? You're about to die. You're about to die Trusting a God who doesn't even exist. Just a little bread. Just a little water. Not a big deal. Trust God. Trust God first. I mean, what do you have to lose? Seriously, what do you have to lose? Like, you're, you're trusting Baal. And in your mind, you're about to die. So why not take this step and put God first? Just take a step. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. That's a jab to her. Again, the Baal thing ain't working for you, honey. The true God says this. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. It's going to rain again. It's coming. But until then, you're going to have enough. She did as Elijah said. Took her next step. That's what she did. Took her next step. Did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough always enough. Don't miss that. Always, even in the drought, always enough. We serve a God who always has enough for us, even in the drought. Don't you love that? That's good. I don't care if you don't like it or not. I think it's cool. There was always enough flour and olive oil in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, if the story ended right here, this is a great story, yes or no? Like, this is awesome. We can walk out of here. Woohoo! This is awesome. God provides. There's always going to be enough. This is going to be great. This is so cool. I love this. But it doesn't end here. 
it goes bad. Verse 17. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. That sucks. Here you got this great thing going, then something tragic happens. And there ain't nobody in this room that hasn't experienced tragedy, right? And we all understand it's multiplied exponentially in the drought. And what do you do? What do we do when that happens? We do the same thing happened here in this story. Watch this. Then she said to Elijah, oh, man of God, what have you done? Because it's always somebody else's fault, right? I can't get mad at this lady because when things go wrong in my life, I lash out too. Oh, man of God, what have you done to me? And Elijah's like, what, you, what have I done? What do you mean, what, girl, I haven't done anything to you. Was it slipping poison into the bread that you were slipping to your son? Like, I haven't done anything. What have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? Don't we do that with God sometimes? Don't we go there sometimes? Oh, God, this is because of what I did in high school, isn't it? God's like, you're 48, Ryan. Get over it. God, is this because I... No, we're, we're over that. Any Anytime something bad happens, we automatically think, because of what I did, this is God getting back at me. Because of what I did, God is punishing me. Listen, God doesn't work that way. I'm talking to the person. Something has died in your life. That hope, that dream, that peace, that joy, that love. You had it. But it died. And you're mad at God. And I'm not here to rebuke you for being mad. I'm telling you, I get it. I get it. But, but watch what happens. Watch, watch how awesome God is. Verse 19. But Elijah replied, give me your son. That's a significant step. That's a significant step compared to the first step, yes or no? Yeah, the first step was, give me a little bread, give me a little water. Right? Give me a little bread, give me a little water. This step is, give me your son. Quick question. Think she had trust issues with Elijah at this point? Yes or no? Absolutely. But this is Elijah saying to her, and this is God saying to us, that thing that's dead in your life, give it to me. Give me that thing that has died. Give me that thing that you'd already had the funeral for. Give it here. What are you going to do with it, God? Just give it to me. Just trust me. Are you going to hold on to something that's dead, or are you going to trust me with it? And then it gets weird. Wait, watch this. He took the child's body from her arm. Stop. According to the Old Testament, you weren't supposed to touch a body because that body was considered to be, anybody want to guess? Unclean. So right here in the story, don't miss this. You got unclean birds, unclean place, unclean woman, and he takes the dead, unclean body in his arms. I think this is God speaking to us in the passage saying, I don't care how unclean you think you are, I'm not afraid to take you and everything unclean about you in my arms. We see it repeated over and over and over and over again in this scripture. No matter how unclean we think we are, God will embrace it. God will embrace it because he's paid for it. Carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Oh Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? Have you ever heard don't question God? You ever been told that? Elijah didn't get the memo. I hope you know it's okay to ask God questions. Elijah's straight up asking God questions right here. And then something happens. And, man, something switched. I don't know what switched, but get crazy weird. Just messed up. And he stretched himself out over the child three times. That's weird. I don't understand that. Like, if I walk into a funeral home and somebody lays across the body and then they get up, 
Then they lay across their body again and they get back up. Then they lay across one more time and they get back up. I'm not going, woohoo! I'm calling the police. All right, because that's, that's weird, right? That's, that's weird. Why does he do this? Why, why does he do and, and then And then he does something even more crazy. This is messed up. He prays for something that has never been done before. He says, oh, Lord, my God, please let this child life return to him. A resurrection had never taken place in the scripture. And, and, and nobody, nobody had gone from death to life. Go ahead. R- read it. Genesis to 1 Kings chapter 17. Like this never happened before. And right here, Elijah asked God to do something impossible in the drought. See, the drought's an opportunity to see the impossible happen in our lives. It's not a wasted season. Verse 22, the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer. The Lord what? Heard. Heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and revived. That's, that's cool. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Like, that's amazing. But don't miss this. This is key in this whole thing. She gave Elijah a dead son, and she got back a live son. Did she give back more than she gave, yes or no? Yes. See, whenever God asks you for something, you're always going to get more back. Whenever God asks you, you're always going to get more back. You cannot outgive God. The reason God's asking for that thing is because he wants to give you more in return. You give him what has died in you, and he'll make it come to life again. It, it just takes willingness to surrender and take your step. Then the woman told Elijah, Now I know for sure you're a man of God, and the Lord truly speaks through you. Elijah got something really cool out of this. He He's getting ready to go to this place called Mount Carmel. He's going to have this huge battle, biggest battle of his life. He's going to go against him, him by himself. He's going to go against 450 prophets of Baal and 400, four, yeah, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of, of this god, this false god called Asherah. It's, it's going to be crazy. One person against 850. And so think about this. Before you're getting ready to step into something that spiritually intense, like what's one of the key things that you want spoken into your life? Probably encouragement, right? And so not only does God meet this woman's need, but right before Elijah's getting ready to step into this battle, this lady goes, hey, you're the real deal. You're a man of God. God's hand is on you. And what happens after that? Well, we're going to look at it next week. We're going to spend a lot of time on it. But what happens, it starts out in chapter 18, verse 1. Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Ahab, go to Ahab. Elijah, go. Elijah, I took you to the brook. I took you to the widow. Now it's time for you to go to Ahab, Elijah. It's time for you to take your next step. Tell him I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Elijah just did what? Just took his next what? Just took his next step. Later on in the passage, oh, I love this passage. It's so cool. Fire falls from heaven and then rain comes. It's way cool. But none of it happens unless Elijah takes his next step. Everyone has a next step. What's your next step? Everyone has a next step. What's your next step? Is your next step to ask for help? Is your next step to confess a sin? Is your next step to give something to Jesus you've been holding on to for so long? Is your next step receiving Jesus in your life? Like, I don't, I don't know what your next step is, but here's what I know. You have one. Everyone has a next step. 
What's your next step? Because as we surrender those steps to Jesus, even in the drought, he, he, can, he, he can take what is dead or what has died in our lives and bring it back to life. We don't choose the drought. We don't. But we can trust that God will sustain us while we get from where we are to where he wants us to be as we're obedient, taking our next steps. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that you just help us to surrender. God, I know that many of us struggle with it. It doesn't make sense. But God, I pray that right now, in this moment, we can have a heart of surrender. Surrendered enough, God, just to take a next step. God, I, I just I pray that we would literally just, just say that we're here and we acknowledge you and that we, we, we know that you've called us to take a step. And, and God, that we could take it, knowing that even in the drought, you, you could turn our lives into immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Jesus, thank you so much for this story and for what we've seen in it. But God, I, I pray for every single person in this room that you would fill us with the faith to surrender that next step to you right now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. M- maybe you need to surrender. If God spoke to your heart in this message, maybe you need to surrender something. Maybe you just need to tell him, God, I'll take my next step. God, I'll, I'll do what you called me to do. I'll go where you called me to go. I'll, I'll start doing what you tell me to start. I'll stop what you tell me to stop. God, I'll make the phone call. God, I'll forgive. God, I'll confess the sin. Whatever it is, God, whatever, I, I will take that step. Maybe you're here today and your next step is to receive Jesus. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And you feel that pull. You feel that tug. You feel him calling out to you. If that's you and and you'd like to ask Jesus to come into your life, I'd like to lead you in a prayer to do that. You can just, right where you sit, you can just say under your breath, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. So today I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me. Forgive me from running. Forgive me for always choosing my way over your way. But come in and take over. All of me for all of you. Today, God, I ask you to save me. Save me from this world. Save me from hell. Save me from myself. I promise, Jesus, from this day forward, I will follow you step by step for the rest of my life. Heads bowed and eyes still closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and celebrate with you. During this song that Mike's going to lead us in, there'll be people in the back corners of the sanctuary who would love to pray with you, for you, and and help you take your next step. Please let us know so we can help you do that. Maybe you're here. Maybe you need to surrender something else, and, and you want somebody to pray with you and for you. We'll have people back there who would love to talk with you, pray with you, and for you. God, help us to surrender. Help us to surrender so we can walk out of this room filled with hope, with peace, 
filled with joy, that even though it seems like there's a drought, it's not a wasted season because we know that you're at work. As you lead us, God, we will follow in complete surrender. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. Thank you for everything. In your name, amen.